So this one is going to be about arteries of the lower limb. Okay, so the main artery of the lower limb is the femoral artery. So it goes aorta, uh, then it splits into internal and external. The external, sorry, internal and external iliac. The external iliac continues at the femoral artery. And the femoral artery goes uh, past the inguinal canal. And then the femoral artery splits into three. So you've got the profunda femoris. So, yeah, branches of the profunda femoris, uh, also known as the deep femoral, uh, are the perforated branches. So three to four arteries supply the adductor ADD magnus in the medial thigh and then the anterior and posterior thigh. You have your lateral femoral circumflex artery, which wraps around the anterior and lateral side of the femur to supply the head of the femur and the lateral aspects of the thigh. And that's got... Uh, several branches from that one, ascending branch, anastomosis with the superior gluteal, descending branch and the transverse branch as well. So then you've got the third branch of the profundus femoris, which is the medial femoral circumflex artery. This supplies the neck and head of the femur. So this is the one that gets uh, injured in neck of femur fracture. So you've got the uh, femoral artery, which has got the perforating branches, which go to adduct adductor magnus and the anterior and posterior thigh. You've got your lateral femoral circumflex artery, which wraps around the anterior and lateral and does the lateral aspect to the, to, of the thigh. And part of this uh, anastomosis with the superior gluteal. And then you have your medial femoral circumflex artery, which supplies the head of the femur, head and neck of the femur. So just going back up towards the aorta, the external iliac becomes the femoral uh, and it becomes the femoral when it passes under the inguinal ligament. Uh, and into the femoral triangle, remember the navel part. In the femoral triangle, uh, the profunda femoris artery gives off the three main branches, which I've kind of just mentioned already. So once it, after exiting the femoral triangle, the femoral artery goes down the anterior surface of the thigh via the adductor canal, and the adductor canal ends at the adductor uh, magnus, and then uh, supplies the anterior thigh muscles. So a little bit about the adductor canal. Um, this ends at the adductor hiatus, which I mentioned is a gap between the adductor magnus. Through this hiatus, the femoral artery goes uh, from the anterior compartment to the posterior compartment of the thigh and becomes the polypteal artery. So summary of it so far, so you go aorta, external iliac and internal iliac. The external iliac uh, goes down and when it passes underneath the inguinal canal, it becomes the femoral artery. The femoral artery becomes the profunda femoris, the deep branches, and it's got three main branches, uh, which I've already mentioned. The deep femoris, femoral, uh, profunda femoris, continues and goes into the adductor canal, and this supplies the anterior thigh, and it exits um, at the adductor hiatus, which goes into the posterior thigh, and that becomes that's when it becomes the popliteal artery. You do have other arteries in the thigh, um, and so this is kind of talking about the internal iliac. So the last one was about the external iliac. So you've got your internal iliac, which you've got your superior and inferior gluteal. You've got your obturator artery. You've got your obturator canal um, as well. So the main one is, all right, so we go gluteal region. So this is applied by the superior and inferior gluteal arteries, which arise from the internal iliac. These enter the region via the greater static foramen. The piriformis is the key distinction part. So above the piriformis is the superior gluteal and below the piriformis is the inferior gluteal. 
Um, remember that the superior gluteal anastomose of the lateral femoral circumflex artery. Um, and then the obturator artery, so this is mainly in the pelvis. Um, this arises from the internal iliac. It descends via the obturator canal to enter the medial thigh. Um, once it's in the medial thigh, it separates into an anterior branch and a posterior branch. The anterior branch is the main one, and that does the pectineus, the obturator externus, the adductor muscles, ADD, the, and the gracilis. The posterior branch does the deep gluteal muscles, and this is the one that anastomoses with the inferior gluteal, and does the acetabulum and also head of the femur. Um, it continues down, so uh, so we're switching now back to the uh, deep femoral. Uh, so once it goes from the adductor canal, so that's going from the anterior compartment to the posterior compartment. It, so once it finishes the from the adductor canal, it becomes the popliteal artery. Um, and the popliteal artery goes down the posterior thigh, gives off the genicular artery, and this goes to the knee joint. And it exits between, at the end of the uh, adductor canal, um, between, well, sorry, it exits the popliteal artery, becomes popliteal once it exits the adductor canal. The end of the popliteal artery is what I'm trying to say, um, is between the gastronomicus and the popliteus muscle. It, it ends here and becomes the anterior tibial and the tibioperineal trunk. So the anterior tibial does the anterior surface of the leg. It passes between the tibula and fibula bones through the interosseous membrane and runs the entire leg and becomes the dorsal pedalis artery. The tibioperineal trunk uh, basically does the posterior, so that splits into posterior tibial and perineal. The posterior tibial carries down the leg and enters the sole of the foot um, uh, with, with the tibial nerve, so there's kind of opposite uh, to the anterior tibial, so opposite and the same, so they kind of both go straight down, and the uh, dorsal pedalis and then the posterior tibial comes with the tibial nerve. Then you have your perineal or fibula, which goes posterior to the fibula, fibula bone, and also supplies muscles in this lateral compartment. When, when you reach the foot, uh, there's two arteries, you've got your dorsal pedalis, which is the continuation of the anterior tibial and the posterior tibial. The dorsal pedalis um, passes over the dorsal aspect of the tarsal bones. Uh, it anastomoses with the lateral plantar artery, which is a branch of the deep plantar, which, sorry, anastomoses with the lateral plantar artery of the posterior tibial to eventually become the deep plantar arch. The dorsal pedalis supplies the tarsal and, do and dorsal uh, metatarsals via the deep arch supplies the toes that doesn't make sense so basically the dorsal pedalis supplies the uh, top of the foot and also the bottom of the foot when it anastomoses with the lateral plantar artery of the posterior tibial the posterior tibial enters the sole of the foot by the, the tarsal tunnel with the tibial nerve and that's on the probably the lateral malleolus it splits into medial and lateral um, plantar arteries these supply the medial lateral plantar sides of the foot and they'd basically join to form the deep plantar arch. So, um, yeah, so that's the arteries. Oh, so we're going to continue with um, the pulse points. So you've got your femoral pulse. This is in the femoral triangle, and it's halfway between the acis and the pubis, uh, the mid-inguinal point. You've got your pop popliteal, which is hard to find, and um, that's in the popliteal fossa. Dorsal pedalis, uh, you palpate the dorsum lateral to the extensor hallucis longus tendon, 
and then you've got your posterior tibial the clues in the name so behind the tibial uh, so oh sorry that's on the medium malleolus um inferior and posterior sometimes yeah we palpate the lateral malleolus but that's incorrect excuse me so let's go on to the veins so you've got your deep veins of the lower limb um often the veins and artery are within the vascular sheath and often have the same name so in the foot and leg you have so in the foot you have the dorsal in the foot you have the dorsal venous arch so this is the main uh superficial vein so just imagine that's the main pulling point the dorsal venous arch then joins to the anterior tibial vein um and this becomes the well this is the anterior tibial vein so that's the let's say that's the dorsal part of the foot the plantar aspect of the foot uh, so you've got the medial lateral plantar veins which correspond to the medial lateral plantar arteries which eventually become the posterior tibial um, vein uh, and these combine to form the posterior tibial uh, and the posterior fibula so replicating the arterial supply the posterior tibial accompanies the artery at the medial malleolus, malleolus. Um, and so therefore uh, we're moving from the foot upwards to we're at the knee now so then we have the popliteal vein so this is an accumulation of the anterior tibial, the posterior tibial, and the posterior fibula. fibula. So this is the anterior tibial and the uh, tib uh, tibular perineal uh, section. This this vein, the popliteal vein, enters the via the adductor canal. Um, and so then we're going up. So it goes in the adductor canal in the thigh. So once the popliteal enters the thigh, it becomes uh, the the femoral vein. Uh, and the vein accompanies the artery. Then we've got the deep vein of the thigh, also known as the profunda femoris vein. So uh, via perforating veins, uh, similar to the perforating artery, it drains the thigh muscles. Um, and then it goes to the external iliac. Uh, this is the deep vein of the thigh and the external iliac passes. So similar to the artery it becomes external iliac as it passes underneath the inguinal ligament so it goes femoral uh, external iliac as it passes under the inguinal ligament um, and then let's go to the gluteal region this is drained by the superior and inferior gluteal veins uh, which drain into the internal iliac so there were the deep veins uh, so the superficial veins of the lower limb these run in the supercutaneous tissue and they're and they've got two major ones. So the great saphenous vein is on the medial surface. This is very superficial. This is formed by mainly the dorsal uh, venous arch. So remember I said that um, some of the dorsal venous arch drains the anterior tibial, but most of it um, goes to the great saphenous vein. Uh, so the great saphenous vein is formed by the dorsal venous arch of the foot, uh, dorsal vein of the great toe, and plus other tributaries from superficial veins. These all make up the great saphenous vein. This ascends up the medial side of the leg. Um, primary is anterior to the medial malleolus. And as it continues, it comes posterior to the medial uh, condyle. It terminates at the inguinal ligament where it drains into the femoral vein. And then you have a grate, so you've got a small saphenous vein. This is on the posterior side. And this is formed by dorsal venous arch of the foot and the dorsal vein of the little toe. This goes at the posterior side, passing the lateral malleolus. Um, and moves between the two heads of the gastronomicus and into the popliteal vein. So the great saphenous vein goes into the femoral vein, the small saphenous vein goes into the popliteal vein.
So finally, just about the clinical relevance. So the great saphenous vein can be used as a coronary artery by bypass graft, and then you've got varicose veins, which are formed because venous blood flows from the skin to the superficial veins to the deep veins. The veins have valves that prevent backflow. If these valves become incompetent, i.e. they don't work, blood flows back from the deep to the superficial veins uh, equals varicose veins. Uh, the superficial veins are not designed for increased pressure and this causes them to become dilated and tortuous. Um, the main treatment is uh, yeah, scleropathy, uh, I think. So this is a segment about the femoral triangle, femoral canal, um, adductor canal and then lymph vessels. So let's start at the femoral uh, triangle. So the femoral triangle, the superior border is the inguinal ligament, the lateral border is the sartorius, the medial border is the adductor longus. The floor of the triangle is made up of the illopsoas, the adductor longus and the pectineus. The roof is made up of the fascia lata, lymph nodes and long saphenous vein. The femoral canal is, is something different and the femoral canal uh, is made up of the medial border is the lacuna ligament, lateral border is the femoral vein, the anterior is the inguinal ligament and the posterior is the pectineal ligament. And we also have, just for confusion's sake, uh, we have a femoral triangle, uh, the contents of which are navel, so that's the femoral nerve, the femoral artery, the femoral vein, E is the empty space and L is lymph tissue. Um, I think that's all for that. Then we've got the adductor canal, uh, also known as the subsartorial. So this uh, lies at the end of the femoral uh, triangle, uh, in the middle of the thigh. Uh, it ends at the adductor hiatus, which is between the adductor magnus. The lateral border is the vastus medialis, the posterior is the adductor longus and magnus. The roof is the sartorius. It contains the saphenous vein, superficial femoral artery, superficial femoral vein. And so we're moving on to lymph nodes, okay? So, excuse me. Um, so you have superficial and deep. The superficial uh, lymph vessels follow the great saphenous vein along the medial aspects. And this of the, of the, of the leg and the strain into the uh, inguinal lymph nodes, subinguinal lymph nodes, lateral uh, lymph vessels, superficial lymph vessels, drain into the popliteal lymph nodes. Deep lymph nodes uh, accompany the arteries, so the anterior tibial, posterior tibial, uh, and, the and the fibula drain into the popliteal lymph node. The popliteal lymph node drains into the deep inguinal lymph node. So the superficial inguinal, so then you have your superficial, so in the femoral triangle, you have lymph nodes, and that's part of the, the navel. So if you split that triangle into half, you have your top above the line and below the line. And this line is, is in line with the great saphenous vein. Uh, so, so just to recover the femoral uh, triangle anatomy. So I've done the boundaries already, but the contents are, are the navel. So you have your femoral nerve, femoral artery, femoral vein, and then you've got your deep and superficial uh, lymph nodes, which I'm going to talk about. You've also got a lateral cutaneous nerve and a great saphenous vein and the femoral branch of the genitofemoral. So the superficial line and, and so above the line and below the line, which I mentioned before, that's due to the great saphenous vein. So above the line, um, 
So the superficial inguinal lymph nodes are directly below the inguinal ligament and therefore above the line. This receives lymph from the penis, scrotum, peroneum, buttocks and the abdominal wall. Then you have your superficial subinguinal nodes are located either side of the great saphenous vein. Um, and this receives lymph from the superficial lower limb. So that was from the, the great saphenous vein stuff. Uh, then you've got your deep subinguinal nodes and these are receive information from the, from the femoral vein. So this is bones of the foot. Uh, so similar to the hands, you've got the tarsal bones, which are seven uh, bones, which were an proximal part of in the ankle region. And I'll talk about those secondly. Then you have your metatarsals, which you have five. So these touch from the tarsal bones to the phalanges. They're kind of in the middle. And then you've got the phalanges, which will have three phalanges, uh, proximal, intermediate, distal, uh, except on the big toe when you have two phalanges and then that, in between that is called the IP joint um, and said so the mnemonic for uh, bones of the foot is tiger cubs need milk M-I-L-C or tall camels never consume cubes okay just remember that one so that's the, the mnemonic which I'll talk about later so the tarsals are arranged into three rows. So you have your proximal, intermediate, and distal. The proximal group is the hind foot, and that contains the talus and the calcaneus. The talus bone is the most superficial, i.e. the highest, and transmits the weight of the person. The main function is, as I mentioned, to transmit that weight from the tibia into the calcaneus, which is the heel bone. The relevance of the tar well, clinical relevance of the talus bone is that there's no muscles attached to it, but it is a high risk of avascular necrosis as the vascular supply is dependent on the um, fascial structures. So as I mentioned, the, ta the talus goes, kind of sits between the tibula and fibula above um, and the calcaneus below. So superiorly is attached to the tibula and fibula um, as, as the ankle giant. Anterior is attached to the navicular, which I'll talk about later, and inferior inferior is attached to the calcaneus, which is called which has the which is the subtalar joint. The calcaneus is the largest tarsal bone, it lies underneath the talus and is what you land on. So articulations above it attaches to the talus and anterior it attaches to the cuboid where it forms the calcaneal cuboidal ligament. Um, as I mentioned, it takes the weight of the body as it as the heel hits the ground. At the most posterior aspects uh, is the calcaneal tuberosity, and this is where the Achilles tendon attaches. So, moving on to the immediate group or intermediate group, so you've got your proximal, intermediate, distal. The intermediate group is the mid is the midfoot, and that's mainly the navicular. So, think of the, the navicular as um, navel ship and it has three um cuneiforms coming off it uh so and apparently this looks like a boat so it's positioned on the medial aspect of the foot posteriorly you'll have the talus laterally you'll have the cuboid bone and anteriorly you'll have the cuneiform so the free cuneiform so think of the free cuneiforms as kind of like uh, sails the the attachment of the posterior to the posterior tibialis posterior attaches to the navic uh, navicular 
then you have your distal group which um also is part of the midfoot and these are four tarsal bones so you have the free cuboid so free cuno sorry the cuboid which is on the lateral aspects and then you have your free cuneiforms there these all attached to the metatarsals so the cuboid anteriorly is attached to the metatarsals posteriorly attached to the calcaneus and yeah so that's the cuboid um on the plantar surface so the underneath of the foot there's a groove for the tendon of the uh, fibularis longus on the lateral side and then we've got your free cuneiforms which are basically like the cells of a ship um, and these attach to the metatarsals anteriorly and posteriorly they attach to the navicular so just a summary of the muscle attachments so you have the medial cuneiforms which are attachments for the tibialis anterior tibialis posterior and the fibularis longus then you have your lateral cuneiform which is an attachment for the flexor hallucis brevis and underneath the navicular you have your attachment for the, actually never mind and moving on to the forefoot which is basically just the metatarsals these are located um, between the tarsal bones and the phalanxes phalanges of the foot and so the metatarsal itself is kind of like a rectangular bone. It's got a head, neck, and then a shaft. So the head and the neck are at the distal end attaching to the uh, phalanges. And so it also has two types of joints. So between the tarsal bones and the metatarsal, that's called the taro-metatarsal joint. And then between the metatarsal and the phalanx, you have your metatarsophalangeal joint. So relevance, so talus fractures. So half of all talus fractures occur in the neck. These are high energy fractures caused by excessive dorsiflexion of the foot. The neck of the talus is pushed up into the tibia and that's how it breaks. The blood supply is crushed and, and again, this is why it can lead to a vascular necrosis. The body of the talus can also fracture again by jumping from a height onto it. The calcaneus, moving on, is a is a fracture that occurs from axial loading, i.e. jumping from a height. This will kind of show the calcaneus is shorter and wider. Um, it's a difficult uh, injury to repair because the subtalar joint will become arthritic. And the patient will experience pain on inversion, eversion, which I'll talk about in that section. So metatarsal fractures can fracture in three ways. So either a direct blow to the foot. Uh, you can get stress fractures, um, which are incomplete fractures due to repeated stresses. Usually in the next to the second and third metatarsals and also the fifth metatarsal. Um, or excessive inversion, excessive inversion, excessive inversion um, where the fibularis brevis can tear off the base of the fifth metatarsal. So this section is going to be on the tibia and the fibia and the femur and possibly um, the patella as well. So the tibia is, is in line with the big toe and that's the shin bone. The function is weight bearing. Um, at teeth end it expands, to, it extends, sorry, it expands to articulate with the knee and the ankle. So let's talk about the proximal end first. Excuse me. This widens to form the median and lateral condyles, and which aid in weight bearing. 
These condyles form a flat surface which is known as the tibial plateau and these articulate with the femoral condyles. In between the tibial plateau you have your intercondylar eminence which is a region between the condyles. Uh, this kind of moves upwards to form the medial and lateral to form medial and lateral intercondylar, intercondylar tubercles and these are the attachments for ligaments and the menisci. And so it kind of like a jigsaw, so the intercondylar tubercles articulate with the intercondylar fossa of the femur, which is above. So you have your tibial plateau, your intercondylar eminence. This intercondylar eminence articulates with the intercondylar fossa of the femur, which is sitting above it. So the shaft of the tibia, tibia is kind of a prism shaped. Um, there's not really much to say here. So a part of the shaft has the tibial tuberosity, which is where the patellar tendon is. The posterior surface uh, has a ciliar line, which is the origin for the ciliar muscle. Um, the lateral borders, uh, i.e., well, yeah, gives rise to the interosseous membrane, which binds tibia and fibula together. So then you have now we've spoken about the proximal end, that's the part of the distal end of the shaft. So again, the distal end widens to help with weight bearing and it forms the medial malleolus. And this articulates with the tarsal bones to form the ankle joint. The posterior surface has a groove called the posterior tibial groove, and this is where the tendon of the tibialis posterior lies. There's also a fibular notch, which is part of the tibula. Uh, this is a lateral notch uh, where the fibula is bound to the tibula, forming the distotibular fibular joint. Uh, the only clinical relevance here is the interosseous access, which is used in emergency situations. So you use the anterior medial surface, two to three centimeters below the tibial tuberosity, uh, generally, or you could use proximal to medial malleolus. And also uh, fractures, there are two main types, high energy in young people, low energy in older people. So location is primarily shaft of the tibia, and this is usually associated with a fibular fracture, or you could have a tibial plateau fracture, um, and this you would use Schatz nurse classification. You can also get a fracture of the medial malleolus. This is usually caused by over inversion, where the talus pushed into the medial malleolus, usually resulting in a spiral fracture. And this rarely is in isolation, so you get a lateral malleolus, and the classification is the Salter-Harris. So moving on to the fibula. The fibula acts as an attachment for muscles, so it's not really weight-bearing. It has three main articulations, so you have your proximal tibulofibular joint, uh, and this is where it attaches to the lateral condyle of the tibia. Then you have your distal tibulofibular joint, and this articulates with the fibular notch of the tibia. So this is what I was talking about before. So if you draw the fibula, just even draw the two bones next to each other, the proximal uh, tibulofibula articulates with the lateral condyle of the tibia because the fibula is on the lateral surface uh, and then the distal tibular fibula articulates with sorry the tibia has a, a notch for the fibular notch the distal end of the bone and that's where that attaches and then you also have the ankle joints so this is where the tibular fibula kind of join together at the distal end with the talus so bony landmarks so the proximal neck on the posterior surface, you have the common fibular nerve, um, and this is where it originates before crossing medially. Um, and then, 
and then you have your lateral malleolus distally as well. The most common cause of a fibular fracture is forced external rotation, i.e. laterally, and this results in a spiral fracture of the lateral uh, malleolus. Um, and then the second cause is forced eversion, so again twisted out, usually results in a transverse fracture. Both times the talus presses against the lateral malleolus, causing the fracture. So I'm going to move on to the patella, also known as the kneecap. It lies in front of the knee in the patellofemoral groove. Uh, and it's held on top by the quadriceps tendon superiorly and the patella ligament uh, distally. So it's a seismoid bone, so it's a small independent bone within a tendon, um, and the kneecap is the largest seismoid bone. The shape of the patella is triangular in shape with the apex pointing uh, downwards. Um, it's associated with the tibial tuberosity by the patella ligament, um, and I've already mentioned the quadriceps tendon attaches it superiorly. So the posterior surface of the patella articulates with the femur and has two facets. So you have your medial and lateral facets. The medial facet articulates with the medial condyle of the femur. And then the lateral facet articulates with the lateral condyle of the femur, which is fairly obvious. Um, but on the posterior surface, the lateral facet is a lot larger. And so if it is going to dislocate, it's usually going to, it's not going to dislocate from this side. Um, I think I'll mention that a bit later. Um, and so the function of the patella is to protect the knee joints, uh, helps in leg extension by increasing efficiency of the quadriceps muscle. Um, and like I was saying, the patella dislocation, usually from a direct force, uh, is, the patella is displaced out of the, of the, the patellofemoral groove uh, and usually occurs laterally. So disregard what I said earlier because it has a larger facet. Um, and patella fractures, again, a, a direct trauma to the bone or sudden, or sudden contraction of the quadriceps muscle. Um, in a patella fracture, it usually splits uh, horizontally. So there will be, if it's due to quadriceps tendon, so that part will go up and the distal part will go to the patella ligament. So moving on to the femur. This section is the femur. So it's the only bone in the thigh and it's the longest bone in the body. So I'm going to talk about the proximal and then the shaft and then the distal. So the proximal is that kind of like, well, like a boot uh, shape. And so you've got the head, which articulates with the acetabulum of the pelvis. It's generally a smooth surface, except it has a little depression for the ligamentum teres. Um, um, and there's an artery which goes through here as well, called I think it's ligamentum teres artery. And then you it's lined by articular cartilage. And then if you if you remember the the shape of the femur or the femoral uh, proximal head, then you have your neck, which is the which is relevant to neck of femur fractures. This connects the head of the femur to the shaft. It has an angle of 135 degrees, which is important because this angle allows for the range of movement of the hip. Then you have the greater trochanter, um, which is the most lateral projection of the bone. So this is the part where you can feel. It's attachment site for the gluteus medius, gluteus minimus, piriformis, and the vastus lateralis. The lesser trochanter, um, which is kind of on the posterior medial surface of the femur, um, and this inferior, well, 
is further distal than the greater trochanter, and this is the attachment for the iliopsoas. Between the two, you have a ridge of bone called the intertrochanteric excuse me, line. Uh, it runs in the inferior medial direction, only on the anterior side, so yeah. Um, and after it passes the lesser trochanter on the posterior surface, so basically, it's a, let's call it a continuous line, but anteriorly is known as the intertrochanteric line, posteriorly is known as the pectineal line, so P, posterior, pectineal. So anteriorly, it's an attachment for the iliofemoral ligament and the start of the hip joint capsule. So then we can go on to the intertrochanteric crest. This is on the posterior side, again, to make it more confusing. Um, this is a, sorry, this is a rigid bone connected to trochanters only on the posterior side. Uh, there is a rounded tubercle, which is called the quadrate tubercle. Um, and this is a, an attachment site for the quad femoris. So let's go on to the clinical relevance for necrothema fractures. So again, cause elderly is usually low energy with osteoporotic bone. Young is usually high energy. The presentation is usually shortened leg and externally rotated. So we split this into intracapsular and extracapsular. Um, and so intracapsular in the... So like I said, so it splits into intracapsular and extracapsular. So intracapsular, if they're young, if it's undisplaced, we go down the internal fixation. If it's displaced, then we go down the total hip replacement. If they are elderly, if it's undisplaced, we go for the internal fixation. If it's displaced, if they're fit, then we go for a total hip replacement. If they're not fit, then we do hemiarthroplasty. So that's so intracapsular. Think displaced, undisplaced. Generally speaking, we do internal fixation. Um, if it's undisplaced or hemiarthroscopy if they are unfit. If it is displaced, then we do total hip replacement. So that's fairly straightforward. Extracapsular. Extracapsular, we generally do dynamic hip screw or intramedullary nail. So this is kind of split into peritrochanteric, um, which the options are, again, dynamic hip screw if it's intratrochanteric and uh stable or unstable if there's an oblique fracture then you kind of if there's an oblique peritrochanteric fracture then you go for an IM nail if it's subtrochanteric you go for an IM nail so the artery which is at risk of damage is the medial femoral circumflex artery reason why we fix them so let's go back to this so the shaft uh, so again thicken at the top and figure at the bottom kind of fins in the middle and then on the on the you have the linear spuria which is a roughened edge that splits to form the medial lateral supercondylar line and this is the origin of the plantaris muscle the proximal medial border of the linear spuria becomes the pectineal line which i kind of mentioned before the lateral border becomes the gluteal tuberosity and then moving further down the, the distal linear spira widens to form to form the origins of the polypteal fossa. Uh, and the medial supercondylar line, which I've mentioned before, uh, is where the adductor magnus attaches to.
the distal part of the femur forms or joins to form the uh, what's it called the polypteal fossa. So anteriorly you have well you have your medial lateral epicondyles. Remember they're called epicondyles here. These are like bony elevations in the non-articular area. So that's the widening that you can feel these on your leg. The medial epicondyle is larger, and this is where the medial uh, collateral ligament attaches. Actually, this is where both the collateral ligaments attach. And then you have your medial lateral condyles. Um, these are rounded areas on the femur, um, and these articulate with the menisci. So the structure, so you have your epicondyles, which are the most medial and lateral aspects. Well, these are the outer aspects of what you will consider the, the condyles. And this is where the medial lateral collateral ligaments attach. And then on the articular surface, if you like, you have your medial and lateral condyles. And as I mentioned in one of the earlier sections, you have your intercondylar fossa, uh, which is basically where the uh, intercondylar eminence of the tibia attaches into. Um, but this is the attachments of the ACL and PCL. So the ACL attaches to the lateral condyle, and then the PCL attaches to the medial condyle. So just remember that you have your epicondyles on the outside, you have your condyles on the articular surface, the ACL attached to the lateral condyle, the PCL attached to the medial condyle. The hip joint. So this is a ball and socket synovial joint. Um, it's formed between the pelvic acetabulum and the head of the femur. Designed for stability and weight bearing and remember it has that range of movement for 135 degrees. So the acetabulum is a cup-shaped depression located in the pelvis. Um, the, the depression is kind of deep and so even though you have that cup shape you have a, a, a round of fibrocartilaginous collar called the acetabular labrum and this kind of uh, helps to increase, well I'll talk about why that's important later. So that acetabulum labrum helps to increase the stability and function of the hip, but you also have uh, ligaments which also increase the stability, and these are intra and extracapsular. So the intracapsular, there's only one. Um, so intracapsular ligament is the ligamentum to the head of the femur, also known as ligamentum teres. Uh, and again, as I mentioned previously, this ligament encloses the artery to the head of the femur, from the obturator, minus applied to the hip joints. Then you have three extracapsular ligaments. These basically cover the hip joint, um, and this is what this is. And this is basically from the intertrochanteric line, uh, which is the start of the capsule. So there you got your iliofemoral ligament, which is origin is from the anterior inferior iliac spine. It's kind of a Y-shaped. Sorry, it origins from the anterior inferior iliac spine and inserts into the intertrochanteric line. Uh, it prevents hyperextension and is the strongest of these three and it's anteriorly, remember. And it's kind of like a Y shape. Next, you have your pubofemoral, which is from the superior pubic rami, and this inserts into the intertrochanteric line as well. Um, the function is to prevent excessive AV deduction and extension and reinforce the capsule anteriorly and inferiorly. Then you have your ischiofemoral, so ischios from the body of the ischium. Uh, this inserts into the greater trochanter, and if it's thinking about ischium, then this is going to be posteriorly. 
It prevents hyperextension and holds the femoral head in the acetabulum and reinforces the capsule posteriorly. So you have two anterior, which is your iliofemoral and your pubofemoral, and you have a posterior, which is your ischiofemoral. And just think about it as well. So the think about it. So the pubofemoral uh, pubic symphysis is let's let's just think of it as inferiorly. So the pubofemoral is anterior and inferiorly. The iliofemoral is mainly anteriorly, and the ischiofemoral is posteriorly. So neurovascular supply. So you have your external iliac, which becomes the femoral artery, becomes a deep femoral artery, which the deep femoral artery, which I hope I'll talk about much more detail later, basically relevance to the hip joint, splits into medial and lateral circumflex artery, arteries. These, these basically anastomose later and form a ring. The medial circumflex artery is the major supplier. So this is the one that's most likely to get damaged um, due to a fracture. Because, the, yeah, think about the femoral runs inside the leg and the medial is close to it. So damage to this leads to avascular necrosis of the femoral head. The lateral circumflex artery has to penetrate the thick iliofemoral ligament uh, from the posterior side, and this is why the medial supplies more. You also have the artery to the head of the femur, which comes from the obturator and also superior and inferior gluteal arteries. So function stabilization. Uh, so the acetabulum, this is deep and encompasses the whole femur, reduce the chance of dislocation. Acetabulum labrum helps the depth and also increases the, yeah, helps the depth, so more surface around the head of the femur. Ligaments and capsule are designed in ways, so the anterior and posterior support, and then there's different types of orientation which helps to reinforce it. And then the local anatomy, so the muscles and ligaments work reciprocally. So anteriorly, where the ligaments are strongest, the medial flexors are weaker and less in number. Posteriorly, where the ligaments are weaker, the medial rotators are stronger. So these effectively pull the head of the femur into acetabulum. And this is why most dislocations are posteriorly, uh, the leg is shorter and medially rotated, and the sciatic nerve is at risk in dislocations. So this is going to be about the ankle joint, the subtalar joint, and the tibular fibula joints. So the ankle joint is a synovial joint. It's formed by the tibular fibula and the talus. Functionally, it's a hinge joint resulting in dorsiflexion, i.e. bringing the dorsal of the foot towards yourself, and plantar flexion, i.e. planting your foot on the floor. Think about like pointing, pointy flexion. So the, the talus... Never mind what the talo was. So the joint is made by the uh, the distotibular fibular ligament, so that's joining the tibial and fibula together, and the talus. These form kind of like a bracket-shaped socket covered in hyaline cartilage, and it's also known as a mortise socket. So the talus bone is broad anteriorly and narrow posteriorly, which the relevance of which is that. So the relevance of which is that dorsiflexion, uh, in sorry, in dorsiflexion, the anterior is the anterior part of the talus is more stable because it's wider, and in plantar flexion, the posterior part is less stable and it's narrower, narrower. So just remember that you have the talus which is broad and flat, and anteriorly is broad and narrowly, and posteriorly is narrow. So the ligaments from each malleolus. There are ligaments from each malleolus. 
So the medial ligament, also known as the deltoid ligament, um, is from the medial malleolus to the it kind of fans out from the medial malleolus to the talus, calcaneus, and navicular. The deltoid ligament consists of four ligaments that fan out, and this resists over eversion. So the we're talking about from the medial surface, so it resists too much pushing outwards. So you have your then you have your lateral ligaments. Um, and these are from the lateral malleolus, obviously, and these obviously resist over inversion. So these consist of three, three separate ligaments in contrast to the medial, medial ligaments, sorry, which are four kind of joined together ligaments. So the lateral ligaments, you have your anterior talo uh, fibula. So that's from the lateral malleolus of the fibula to the talus. And then you have your posterior talofibula ligament from the lateral malleolus of the tibia to the talus. And then you have your fibula, which is from the lateral malleolus to the calconeus. This is really straightforward, really. So uh, you have medial, uh, you have deltoid, uh, going into the calconeus, navicular, and uh, talus. And then you have your lateral, which basically all go from the lateral malleolus into the talus and calconeus. Okay, so movements of this uh, joint. So this joint is involved in plantar flexion and dorsiflexion only. The inversion and eversion is the subtalar joint. So plantar flexion and dorsiflexion, what I'm going to say is fairly obvious next. So the plantar flexion is from the posterior compartment of the calf. Um, so mainly uh, soleus, plantaris, posterior tibialis and gastronomicus. Um, Plantar flexion, you can feel that. And then dorsiflexion is anteriorly, uh, tibialis anterior, extensor halicis longus, extensor digitorum longus. And you can see this on your foot as well. Um, nerve supply, deep fibular nerve to the anterior compartment and the deep tibial nerve to the posterior compartment. And then the blood supply is anterior tibial, posterior tibial and fibula. So ankle sprains are the mechanism of injury so uh, excessive inversion to a plantar flexed foot, um, this happens because the lateral ligament is weaker than the medial, uh, and that's why you get that. So that's so you get partial tears of the ligaments, which are ankle sprains, and it's usually caused by excessive inversion to a plantar flexed foot. Um, yeah, and then so parts of the classification, we've got POTS fracture. Which describes a which either describes bimalleola <laughs> or trimalleola, which includes the distal fibula. So the subtalar joint. This is the joint that's involved in uh, inversion and eversion. So the subtalar joint is formed between the talus and the calcaneus. So this is kind of yeah, talus and calcaneus. Think about that. Uh, it's a plain synovial joint. Um, and then the articulated surfaces, as you can imagine, inferior surface of the talus and the superior surface of the calcaneus. So this joint is kind of this is supported by capsules around three ligaments. So you have your posterior talocalcaneal ligament, which I've already mentioned. But you also have your medial and lateral talocalcaneal ligament. So just it's not really rocket science. Just say what you see. And then you have your interosseous uh, talocalcaneal ligament, which 
uh, lies in between the two bones together and provides the most stability. So again, movements. So you've got eversion. Um, this is from the lateral compartment and fibularis longus and fibularis brevis. So eversion, that's going out. This is from the superficial fibula. And then you have inversion, which is done by the tibialis anterior only. Uh, and this is a deep fibular nerve. And again, no role in plantar or dorsiflexion, just eversion and inversion. Tibialis anterior is the only one that does inversion and the lateral compartment does eversion because that's situated laterally. Uh, blood supply, posterior tibial and fibular arteries, which I'm going to talk about much later anyway. So tibular fibular joints, you have your proximal and distal. The proximal tibular fibula uh, is lined by hyaline cartilage uh, and it's articulated between the head of the fibula and the lateral condyle of the tibula. Um, innovated by the common fibular nerve, blood supplies the inferior genicular artery. So there's not really much to say about this, but this uh, proximal tibular fibular joint is kind of reinforced by the anterior and posterior superior tibular fibular lig ligaments, uh, lateral collateral ligament of the knee, and the biceps femoris. Then you have your distal tibular fibular joint. Um, this is from the fibula to the fibular notch of the tibia. This is the inferior aspect. This is a fibrous joint. And other supporting structures are the whole uh, interosseous uh, membrane. Then you also have your anterior and posterior inferior tibial fibular ligaments. Um, and then blood supply, fibular artery, tibial artery, anterior and posterior, and nerves, tibial nerve and deep femoral, sorry, deep fibular nerve. So that was fairly straightforward, really. Just remember that the, you have your anterior and posterior superior and anterior and posterior inferior tibial fibular ligaments. Um, and don't forget that the tibia has a fibular notch as well. That's on the distal one. This is a very quick summary of the movements and muscles involved in the knee. So flexion is done by the quad, quad femoris, extension done by the hamstrings and PSG, which is the popliteus, sartorius and gracilis. Then lateral rotation is done by the biceps femoris. Medial rotation is done by semimembranous, semitendinous, and also the PSG. So this section is going to be about the knee joint. So the type, this type of joint is a hinge-type synovial joint. So moving on to the articular surfaces, you've got two surfaces. You've got your tibiofemoral and patellofemoral. These are both lined with hyaline cartilage. So the tibiofemoral, uh, so the medial lateral condyles of the femur articulate, excuse me, with the tibial condyles. So you think the the fibula, sorry, the tibiofemoral. So the femoral, the femur is above, uh, and so the medial lateral condyles of the femur articulate with the uh, tibial condyles inferiorly. So that's one articulated surface, and then you have your patellofemoral. This is on the anterior surface, um, and this is when the patello attached to the femoral by the uh, quadriceps tendon and the uh, patella tendon. Um, and I've already talked about the function of the patella as well. Uh, so artery supplies, so you have your genicular 
branches of the femoral artery and the popliteal artery. And then you've got your nerves, femoral, tibial and common fibula. Uh, these all cross the joints and supply it. So moving on to the nitty gritty, so let's talk about the menisci. Um, so the medial and lateral menisci are cartilages that have two functions. One, they deepen the articular surface of the tibia and therefore increase the stability of the joint. And they are two, secondly, shock absorbers. They are C-shaped and attached at both ends to the intercondylar areas of the tibia. So remember when I talked about the tibial plateau previously? So the medial meniscus uh, is is attached, also attached to the tibial collateral ligament, uh, aka, sorry, let me start. The medial meniscus is also attached to the medial collateral ligament. And that's why sometimes when you get damage to the medial collateral ligament, you also get a medial meniscus tear. So the lateral meniscus has no further such attachments. Okay. And the lateral has no attachments because there you have the um, fibula uh, there. So on the medial surface is attached to the medial collateral ligament because there is nothing else there. Whereas the medial, sorry, the, the lateral side, you have the tibia, sorry, the fibula next. So let's see whether we can do like, so I was going to see whether we can draw this whole thing out, but it's going to be difficult. So I'll just try to describe it. So you have your cartilages, so medial and lateral. The, if we start from the medial, so you've got your medial collateral ligament, which is attached on the medial surface, obviously. Uh, then you have your medial meniscus, which is the C-shaped going from the two prongs of the C are going from uh, facing to the right side. And then if anteriorly you have your patellar ligament and then uh, laterally, if you go from lateral to so you have your lateral collateral ligament, then you have your fibular head and then you have your anterior superior tibular fibular ligament and also the posterior superior tibular fibular ligament. And this attaches the fibula to the tibia. Uh, and then you have your lateral meniscus. So I'm going to talk about the uh, uh, cruciate ligaments now. So they're called cruciates because they form a cross. And they connect the femur and the tibia together, kind of like a, an X. So they kind of rise. So even though they'll be on the, uh, on the tibia, they'll go up uh, to the femur. So the anterior cruciate ligament is from the anterior intercondylar area of the tibia where it blends with the medial meniscus and it ascends to sorry it yeah so the anterior intercondylar region of the tibia where it blends with the medial meniscus and it goes posteriorly and across to ascend to the posterior to the lateral intercondylar of the femur does that make sense so I don't know how to say this in an easier way. So the anterior cruciate ligament blends, originates from the medial meniscus, if you like. It goes up and backwards and across. So if medial go up and backwards and across to attach to the lateral intercondylar region of the femur. And remember the, the femur, uh, that part of the femur has a depression basically where these two pieces of just sort of fit together. And then you have your posterior cruciate ligament which is from the posterior intercondylar region of the tibia um, on the lateral side and it ascends to the 
anterior medial femoral condyle that of the of the femur obviously um so the posterior cruciate ligament uh, let's see if i can say this in a better way so that starts um from the posterior intercondylar area of the tibia and it goes up to ascend to the anterior medial femoral condyle and so the names of these are based on their tibial origin so anterior uh, cruciate and posterior cruciate are originate from the tibia i've already i haven't really mentioned much about the collateral ligaments um but i feel the the medial is wider and flatter um and this forms the medial epicondyle of the femur to the medial condyle of the tibia uh, remember the epicondyles are on the femur and then the lateral fibulus from the lateral epicondyle of the femur to the lateral surface of the fibula. So that's the key difference there. Um, and then just briefly about bursi. So you've got basically four bursi. So you've got your suprapatellar bursi, which is above the patella between the quad femoris and the femur. You've got your prepatellar bursi between the between the patella and the skin. And then you've got your infrapatellar bursi. You've got your two you've got deep and superficial either side of the patellar ligament. And then on the posterior side, you have your semi-membranous bursi um, between the semi-membranous muscle and the medial head of the gastro. So, so the relevance of this is that the collateral ligaments, so uh, if you damage the medial, you'll have pain on medial rotation. If you damage the lateral, you have pain on lateral rotation. If the medial collateral ligament is damaged, Usually the medial meniscus may be torn as well because of their close attachment because of their joint attachment. So uh, the ACL is usually caused by hyperextension of yeah, and this is done by the anterior draw test. The PCL is usually direct trauma, knee forced backwards, knee well whilst flexed, and then you can do posterior draw test. The un unhappy triad is the anterior cruciate ligament, medial meniscus, and the medial collateral ligament. Um, and you can understand why these would be so if you damage the medial collateral ligament you may damage the medial meniscus and the acl is also blends with the medial meniscus fibers so i think yeah and then so this is going to be about muscles of the foot uh, so the muscles of the foot usually splits well are split into intrinsic and extrinsic uh, the intrinsic are within the foot and these are formed by motor movements and uh, you can move individual toes and then you have your dorsal which are usually extensors and the plantars which are the flexors and then you have your extrinsic and these arise from the anterior posterior lateral compartments of the leg uh, which are associated with eversion inversion plantar flexion and dorsiflexion and those will be um, covered later but this is going to be the intrinsic muscles of the foot so as i mentioned they're split into dorsal i.e on the top uh, and then plantar which are on the bottom the dorsal is done by the deep fibular nerve, and remember that's deep fibular nerve, um, and yeah, and remember these are intrinsic muscles of the foot. So the intrinsic muscles of the foot, um, you have your extensor digitorum brevis and extensor hallucis brevis. So the extensor digitorum brevis lies deep to the extensor digitorum longus, which is the extrinsic muscle of the foot. Um, originates from the calcaneus uh, so origins from the calcaneus and the inferior extensor retinaculum and inserts into the extensor tendons of the four lateral digits 
So this is the extended digitorium brevis. So obviously this will uh, insert into the uh, proximal part of those joints. And the action is it extends the four lateral toes at the, at the metatarsophalangeal joint and the interphalangeal joint. Basically inserts into the proximal or the mid phalanx to achieve those two movements. So and that was the extensor digitorium brevis. Extensor halicis brevis, so halicis is the big toe. So that is medial to the extensor digitorum longus, obviously. Um, same origin, calcaneus uh, and inferior extensor retinaculum and inserts into the base of the proximal phalanx of the great toe. And so extends the toe at the end, metatarsophalangeal joint. And note that in the toe, there's only two phalanxes. So that was the dorsal aspect, and that was the extensor digitorum uh, brevis and extensor halicis brevis. Um, so now we're moving on to the plantar aspect. So there's 10 intrinsic muscles here. And these, um, the innervation is either the medial or lateral plantar nerve, which are branches of the tibial nerve. There are four layers going from superficial to deep. So the first layer, uh, this has three muscles and, and just underneath, located underneath the plantar fascia. So this is the most superficial layer. So you have your ABD, doctor, halicis. You have your flexor digitorum brevis. And you have your abductor, ABD, doctor, digiti, minimi. So the ABD, doctor, halicis, uh, originates from the medial aspects of the sole, um, in, sorry, originates from the calcaneus, flexor retinaculum, and the plantar aponeurosis, and inserts into the proximal phalanx on the medial side to achieve that abduction and also flexion of the toe. This is done by the medial plantar. Then you have your flexor digitorum brevis. Um, origin is from the calcaneus and the plantar aponeurosis. And this inserts into the middle phalanx of the remaining four toes, leading to flexion of the four digits at the proximal interphalangeal joints. Uh, well, yeah. And then you have the medial plantar also supplies this. This uh, muscle is located between the plantar aponeurosis and the flexor digitorum longus, which is above it. So you go your ABD, Dr. Digiti Minimi. Um, so this originates from, again, from the medial aspects of the calcaneus and the plantar aponeurosis. It inserts into the proximal phalanx of the fifth digit and it abducts and flexes the fifth digit. And this one is done by the lateral plantar nerve. So to summarize, these three originate from the calcaneus and the plantar aponeurosis. They insert into the proximal phalanx of all of the bones and the nerve is the either medial or lateral plantar nerve and they uh, do what they say but if they abduct they also abduct and flex moving on to the second layer this contains two muscles the quadratus plantae and the lumbricals within this layer the flexor digitorum longus also passes um, but we're not really talking about that in this instance because that's an extrinsic foot muscle. So the quadratus plantae again originates from the calcaneus and inserts into the tendons of the four digitorum longus. It assists in 
assist in flexion of these four digits uh, and the nerve is the lateral plantar nerve. The quadratus plantae lies on top of the flexor digitorum longus. So this second layer is separated from the first layer by the plantar that's heard by the lateral plantar vessels and nerves and hence why the quadratus plantae in particular is supplied by the lateral plantar nerve. So next we're moving on to the lumbricals and these lie on the medial side of the flexor digitorum longus tendon. So these originate from the flexor digitorum longus tendons and insert into the extensor hoods of the four lateral digits. The action of this is that um, it flexes the metatarsophalangeal joints and extends the interphalangeal joints. The innervation is depending, so you have one medial uh, and that does probably the equivalent of the index finger and then you have the free lateral plantar and the nerves. So that's the second layer. So the second layer is important because the flex FDL uh, passes in this layer and that's important because both these two muscles kind of originate or are very closely associated with it, with the quadratus plantae lying on top of it and the lumbricals lying on the medial surface of it. Okay, so moving on to the third layer. The third layer has three muscles. Two are associated with the big toe and the other the small toe. So you have the flexor hallucis brevis. This originates from the cuboid and lateral cuneiforms and the tendon of the posterior tibialis. Inserts into the base of the proximal phalanx of the big toe. And remember, this is on the, on the dorsal surface, so on the underneath, sorry, on the plantar surface. Excuse me. And it flexes, and it flexes the proximal phalanx and this is done by the medial plantar nerve. So that was the flexor hallucis brevis. So proximal phalanx flexes it and from the cuboid and lateral cuneiforms. And then we have the ADD ductor hallucis. Um, and remember that the abductor ABD ductor, alpha brava delta ductor, is in the first layer, the ad uh, a alpha alpha delta delta halysis is in the third layer. So the origin is you have two heads, you oblique head from the second and third and fourth metatarsal, and then a transverse head from the plantar ligaments of the metatarsophalangeal joints. Inserts into the lateral base of the of the big proximal phalanx, um, the lateral base, yeah. So adduct so turn it away, um, actions adducts, adducts the big toe and aids in the forming the arch of the foot. The nerve is the lateral plantar, so um, so yeah, it's kind of the semi-odd one out, but most of the origin is lateral, so that's why it's come from that. Um, okay, and then the final one in this layer is the flexor digitorum minimi brevis, uh, and this is from the base of the fifth metatarsal, into the proximal phalanx, flexes the small toe, and the lateral plantar, superficial branches supply this. So moving into the, the deepest layer. So you have your plantar interossei, which are unipennate. So you have three plantar interossei located between the metatarsals. 
each arise from a single metatarsal. So origin is the medial side of metatarsals 3 to 5, and they insert into the medial side of the phalanges 3 to 5. So the metatarsals to the phalanges 3 to 5. They adduct the, the 3 to 5 and flex. So adduction and flexion go together. And these are supplied by the lateral plantar nerve. Then you have your dorsal interossei, which are opposing each other. So there are four of these ones, and these are bipennate. So uh, these originate on the sides of the metatarsals one to five, and they insert the first muscle attached to the medial side of the proximal phalanx, the two to four attached to the lateral side of the proximal phalanxes. So again, the origins from the metatarsal to the phalanx, um, and these obviously do the opposite, so they abduct and they also flex. And the nerve is also the lateral plantar nerve. And remember, those are bipennate. And that's all of them. So, so the relevance, some relevance, the medial plantar nerve entrapment, which is usually seen in gymnasts, uh, it's caused by excessive eversion of the foot, and the nerve can become compressed as it passes deep to the abductor, ABD, doctor halysis. So, Let's go over the layers. So the most superficial layer is the abductor halysis brevis, the flexor digitorum brevis, and the abductor digiti minimi. So that's abd, flex, abd. The second layer, you have your quadratus plantae and your lumbricals, which sit on top of the uh, FDL. And then you have the third layer, which is flex, add, flex. So... Um, flexor halysis brevis, ab, ab, sorry, adductor halysis, and the flexor digitorum minimi. And also in this, that's two halysis and one digitorum, whereas in the first layer, it was two digitorum and one halysis. <laughs> and then the final layer, you've got your plantar interossei, which are three, and the dorsal interossei, which are four. Generally speaking, the dorsal aspect or flexors and yeah or flexors and the sort of sorry the plantar layers or flexors and the dorsal layer is extensors so muscles in the anterior compartment of the leg there are four muscles here these act basically to dorsiflex and invert the foot at the ankle um, the nerves are the common fibula and the deep fibula nerve so that's l4 to s1 for the deep fibula and the common nerve, common fibula is L4 to S2. And the blood supply is the anterior tibial artery. So the four muscles, so you have your tibialis anterior. Um, origin is from the lateral surface of the tibia. Uh, inserts into the medial cuneiform and the underside of the first metatarsal. So that's the tibialis anterior. Uh, the nerve is a deep fibular nerve, and the action is dorsiflexion. It's the most important one in dorsiflexion, and inversion is the only one that does inversion. So just a side note, so this is the anterior compartment of the leg, and the nerve is a deep fibular nerve, and even though it's the fibular nerve, some of them are tibial names. So extensor digitorum longus. Um, 
origin is from the lateral condyle of the tibia and the medial surface of the fibula, so basically the interosseous uh, membrane. It's, these fibers converge into a tendon as they go down the, the shin, um, travel along the dorsal surface of the foot and then split into four uh, and attach to each toe the distal phalanxes because it's the longest action extension of the lateral four toes and dorsal flexion because all of these all these muscles involved in the anterior compartment so uh, which is involved in dorsal flexion and the extensor extensor digitorum the nerve is a deep fibular nerve here as well and then we have your extensor hallucis longus um, which is the equivalent to the big toe so uh, this is the deepest out of all the anterior compartment so you have origins on the medial surface of the fibula. Um, it crosses anteriorly to the ankle joint and then attaches to the base of the distal phalanx of the big toe. So this one crosses the ankle joint. So again, extension of the big toe and dorsiflexion of the foot. The nerve supply here is the deep fibula. Okay, and then the tibialis tertius. So this is an important one because it sounds similar to the... Uh, What's it called? The fibularis longus and brevis. So not all patients have this, and it's just seen this extension of the extension, extension of the EDL. So originates from the EDL and the, the medial surface of the fibula, inserts into the fifth metatarsal, action, eversion, and dorsiflexion, and it's a deep fibula. The relevance is in foot drop. So the deep fibular nerve is L4 to S1. Um, this indicates, foot drop indicates paralysis of the muscles in the anterior compartment, uh, which is usually caused by a common damage to the common fibular nerve, which becomes a deep fibula. This leads to unopposed pulling muscles in the posterior leg, equals permanent plantar flexion, uh, i.e. foot drop. Huh, okay. So just a summary, the anterior compartment is involved in dorsiflexion, sorry, the muscles in the anterior compartment are the tibialis anterior, the extensor digitorum longus, extensor halus longus, and the tibialis tertius. These are all involved in um, dorsiflexion of the foot, although the tibialis anterior is the most important. The other two, or the other three, do extension of their respective digits. Um, the tibialis anterior is the only one that does inversion um, and the tibialis tertius is the only one that does eversion in this compartment. And then you have, and remember that's key, in this compartment. So the nerve is a deep fibular nerve and that's L4 to S1 which is a branch of the common fibular nerve and then the blood supply is the anterior tibial artery. So muscles in the lateral compartment of the leg. Um, so the artery is the fibular artery. It's only got two muscles in this uh, compartment. The function is eversion. Um, and this is done at the subtalar joint. So think about compared to the anterior compartment, which does inversion and tibialis tertius, which also does eversion. But the, this lateral compartment is the major is major response for eversion, and the innervation is the superficial fibular nerve, and that's L four to S one. Okay, so the fibularis longus, this is the longer and more superficial of the two, uh, originates from the lateral fibula 
and the lateral tibial condyle. Um, these fibers converge into a tendon, which descend into the foot at the lateral malleolus and insert into the medial cuneiform and base of the first metatarsal. Um, action is eversion and plantar, mm, plantar flexion. Eversion and plantar flexion. Okay. Um, inversion is, as I mentioned, superficial fibular nerve. So fibularis brevis is deeper and shorter than the fibularis longus. It originates from inferior surface of the lateral fibula. Um, the fibers converge to form a tendon, and then they also descend with the fibularis longus, enter at the lateral malleolus, and here it divide and diverges, whereas the fibularis longus would go across the foot to attach to the first. The fibularis brevis continues straight on to attach to the fifth metatarsal. And this action is eversion of the foot, and again, superficial fibular nerve. So the relevance is that the common fibular nerve is difficult to identify, but can be allocated by using the fibularis longus. So at the origin of the fibularis longus, on the lateral surface of the fibula, there's a small gap where the two origin parts join together. So remember that the fibularis longus has the lateral fibula origin and the lateral tibial condyle origin. And so between these two is where you can find uh, the common fibular nerve. And just after this gap, the nerve bifurcates into superficial to supply the lateral compartment and deep to supply the anterior compartment. Oh, sorry. So the posterior compartment muscles in the lower leg contains uh, seven muscles split into superficial and deep. Uh, yeah, and it's larger than the other two, obviously, because it's seven. The action is plantar flexion, in, and it inverts the foot, and the nerve supply is the tibial nerve, which is a branch of the sciatic, as is, I don't know why I mentioned that, but anyway, it's a tibial nerve. So the superficial muscles, also known as the calf, these, yeah, all these muscles insert into calcaneal tendon, aka Achilles tendon, uh, and they are involved in the ankle jerk reflex, which tests S1 and S2. And just while we're on it, before we go to the main thing, there are two bursts associated with this Achilles tendon. You've got your subcutaneous, which is between the skin and the tendon, and you've got your deep bursa between the, between the calcaneus and the tendon. So first one is the gastronomicus. This is the most superficial muscle and has two heads. Um, it has a lateral and medial head. The lateral head is from the lateral femoral condyle. The medial head comes from the medial femoral condyle. Excuse me. They converge together to form a single muscle and insert. So the gastronomicus, sorry, uh, inserts. Uh, yeah, and inserts into the um, what's it called the Achilles tendon. But why I was hesitating is that because the gastronomicus combines with the soleus and the other muscles to form the calcaneal tendon. So the action is plantar flexion um, and innervation is the tibial nerve brackets deep. So then we have a plantaris. This is a small muscle. Uh, it's sometimes, well, it's absent in 10% of people and because it's so thin, it can be mistaken for a nerve. So. The origin is the lateral supracondylar line of the femur, uh, and again, inserts into calcaneal tendon, 
it crosses the back of the leg from lateral to medial and it's between the gastronomicus and the soleus layers okay um, it's not a vital function but it's the same action plantar flexion um, and also supplied by tibial nerve so the, the plantaris obviously plant plantar flexion it's between the gastronomicus and the soleus and it moves from the lateral to the medial so the lateral supercondyline of the femur uh, so lateral surface of the femur inserts into the calcaneal tendon the soleus is deep to the gastronomicus and it's called soleus because it's large and flat like a soulfish. So the origin is the soleal line of the tibia and again this inserts with the gastronomicus into the calcaneal tendon. The action is the plantar flexion of the foot and um, it's done by the tibial, um, tibial uh, nerve. So those are the three um, superficial muscles of the leg. Um, and the relevance of this is that if you ever get a calcaneal ruptured tendon um, caused by excessive plantar flexion with a history of calcaneal tendonitis, you will be unable to plantar flex against resistance um, and you can squeeze the calf and nothing will happen. So moving on to the deep muscles of the lower leg. Again, all these muscles innervated by the deep tibial nerve. Uh, the popliteus. It acts on the knee, the other all act on the ankle and foot. So we'll start with the popliteus because this is a short muscle which just basically goes transverse along the back, back uh, along the popliteal fossa. So it yeah. It arises from the lateral condyle of the femur uh, and kind of blends with the lateral meniscus and it runs from inferior lateral sorry lateral to medially but in an inferior direction and inserts above the soleal line so the popliteus is basically maybe about 10 centimeters long arising from the lateral uh lateral condyle of the femur uh inserting into uh, the tibia above the soleal line uh basically the action it is it unlocks the knee to allow for flexion and rotates the femur on the tibia and the nerve is a deep tibial and so the tibialis posterior is the deepest muscle. This lies between the flexor digitorum longus and the flexor hallucis longus. I'm not sure why I put this in this order, but um, deepest muscle. Uh, origin is interosseous membrane uh, and the posterior surface of the tibia and fibia. So basically quite a large origin there. Uh, it forms a tendon that enters the foot at the medial malleolus and it inserts into the medial tarsal bones, the plantar surface of the medial tarsal bones. So just to summarize that again, so the tibialis posterior arises from the interosseous membrane and the posterior surface of the tibia and fibia. It goes, forms a tendon and goes down into the medial malleolus where it attaches to the base of the medial tarsal bones. The nerve is the deep tibial and the action it inverts, plantar flexes the foot and helps maintain arches of the foot as well, the medial arches. So we have the flexor digitorum longus. So this originates from the medial surface of the tibia, medial surface of the tibia, um, inserts into the lateral four digits, flexes the lateral four toes and there's a deep tibial nerve. 
flexohalasis longus. Yeah, I don't forget to mention that those goes into the distal uh, phalanx as well. So the flexohalasis longus from, arises from the posterior surface of the fibula. Um, so again, posterior surface of the fibula plant and um, inserts into the plantar surface of the big toe, distal phalanx. So again, it crosses and it flexes the big toe and also nerve supplies the deep tibial. So it's quite a lot of there really. So just to summarize, the anterior compartment uh, contains the tibialis anterior, the extensor digitorum longus, extensor hallucis longus, and the fibularis tertius. This is all supplied by the anterior tibial artery, and the nerve supply is the, um, what's the nerve supply again? Uh, the deep fibular uh, nerve supplies. The anti sorry, yeah, anterior, yeah. The medial compartment uh, is, is the fibularis longus, fibularis brevis, and that's supplied by the superficial uh, fibular nerve and plus supplies from the posterior tibial and the fibular artery. The posterior compartment, you have your superficial, which from the calf, which the most superficial is gastronomicus, the plantaris lies in the middle, and then they have your soleus, uh, which is the deepest. Then you have the deep layers, which is the popliteus, which goes from lateral to medial, just above the soleus line, the tibialis posterior, um, which has basically the posterior surface of the tibia and fibula, and then uh, inserts into the tarsal bones, um, and then you have your flexor hallucis longus. The hallucis comes from the fibula. The flexor digitorum longus comes from the tibia. Um, and this goes into this is from the deep tibial nerve and the posterior tibial artery. So, and, I, and sorry, I should have done this at the time, but the major summary is that the anterior compartment is involved in dorsiflexion um, and the tibialis anterior is involved in inversion. The medial compartment is uh, involved in uh, eversion, particularly at the sub, well, only at the subtalar joints. And then the posterior compartment um, is involved in plantar flexion uh, and some inversion as well. Well, no, just plant, let's just call it plantar flexion. And the popliteus rotates the, uh, well, unlocks the knee joint, basically. So, muscles in the anterior thigh compartment. So, basically, the artery is the femoral artery, the nerve is the femoral, L2 to L4. Basically, all these muscles extend the leg at the knee joint and are a flexor of the hip and the knee. So, I, I always have trouble remembering uh, the anterior thigh compartment, but there aren't many muscles in here. So, you have your Iliopsoas, sartorius, the quad receps femoris, which contains the fastus lateris, fastus intermedius, fastus medialis, and rectus femoris, and the pectineus. So that's one, two, three, four, basically. I haven't thought of a tachy mnemonic yet, but the iliopsoas. So this muscle does not extend the leg at the knee joint, unlike the others. Origin, so the psoas part originates from the lumbar vertebrae. Um, and the iliacus is from the iliac fossa of the pelvis. Both these join together to insert into the lesser trochanter of the femur. The action is to flex the thigh at the hip joint, so it's a hip flexor. 
The nerve supply, so the psoas is supplied by L1 to L3, the iliacus is supplied by the femoral nerve. So that's the bit which is in the anterior flat compartment. The sartorius is the longest muscle in the body. So originates from the asis, inserts into the medial surface of the tibia. Um, action is a hip flexor, it's a lateral rotator, it's an ABD doctor, and it's a knee flexor. And again, that's the femoral nerve. The quad femoris consists of four muscles, three vastus and one rectus femoris. It's the main extensor of the knee. So the vastus lateralis um, originates from the greater trochanter. Um, the vastus intermedius uh, originates from the anterior surface of the femoral shaft. The vastus medialis ar arises from the intertrochanteric line. And then the rectus femoris uh, arises from the anterior inferior iliac spine. So all these join to form the quadriceps tendon, which attaches to the patella. Uh, and the action is extend to knee and stabilize the patella. The, the rectus femoris, because it crosses both the hip and knee joint, flexes the thigh at the hip, as well as extending the knee. So let's go over that one again quickly. So the... The vastus lateralis is from the greater trochanter. So think about it. Greater trochanter, vastus lateralis. Vastus intermedius is the femoral shaft. Vastus medialis is the intertrochanteric line. Um, and the rectus femoris is from the anterior inferior iliac spine. And so remember, this is still anterior compartment. <laughs> and so the final one is the pectineus. This is a flat so so this is between so this is the one that's between the anterior thigh and the medial thigh compartment it has dual innervation and is sometimes considered transitional muscle between the anterior compartment and the medial compartment excuse me and relevance is that it forms the base of the femoral triangle so the origin is the pectineal line on the anterior surface of the pubic bone and it inserts into the pectineal line on the posterior surface of the femur um, the action is one flexion of the hip and two is adduction so that's the dual the intermediate compartment so one is flexion of the hip and two is adduction as what the medial adductors do so the nerve supply is the femoral and the obturator so if you're going to test the femoral nerve you do that by resistance to extending the knee um, yeah so so just to run through again Muscles of the anterior confide, L2 to L4, femoral artery, femoral nerve. So you have your, mainly it's the iliacus, um, which is part of the iliopsoas, from the iliac fossa into the lesser trochanter, flex of the thigh, and the hip joint. Sartorius, which is the longest one in the body, originates from the asis, inserts into the medial surface of the tibia, and that fl uh, flexes the hip and the knee, and ABD duction and lateral rotation. Then you have your quad femoris, which is consists of the vastus lateralis from the greater trochanter, the vastus intermedius, anterior surface of the femur, and then the vastus medialis from the intertrochanteric line, and then you have your rectus femoris, which is from the asis. These all form together to form the quad tendon, which attaches to the patella, and that extends the knee and stabilizes the patella. The rectus femoris crosses both the hip and knee, flexes the thigh at the hip, and extends the knee. 
The pectineus is the transitional muscle, so that's the line between the anterior and the medial compartment. It has dual blood supply, dual innervation, so ulterator and femoral. Um, it originates from the pectoral line on the pubic bone and inserts into the the pectoral line on the on the femur, which is on the posterior intertrochanteric. Well, it's the it's the posterior intertrochanteric line. And the function is adduction, which is relevant to the medial compartment, and flexion, which is currently in this compartment. So this is the most medial muscle, and it forms the base of the femoral triangle. So this is the muscles in the medial compartment of the thigh this time. These are the hip adductors, ADD, so moving towards the body. This nerve is the obturator, and it comes from L2 to L4 from the lumbar plexus and supplies the obturator artery. So let's start with the adductor magnus. This is the biggest muscle in this compartment. Functionally, it's split into adductor portion and hamstring portion. So the adductor portion um, arises from the inferior rami of the pubis and ischium and inserts into the linear aspera of the femur, so that's basically the posterior surface of the femur. Um, then you have your hamstring portion, which is from the ischial tuberosity, um, and this inserts into the adductor tubercle and the medial line of the femur, again, probably on the posterior surface-ish. Uh, both adduct the thigh. The adductor also flexes the thigh, uh, and then the hamstring extends the thigh. Because they've got two slightly different functions, the adductor portion is supplied by the obturator nerve and the hamstring portion is supplied by the tibial nerve. Adductors follow the general rule equals adductors and flexion usually happens together. So adductor magnus, adductor portions from the inferior rims of the pubis and ischium, insertion to the linear spur of the femur, the hamstring portions from the ischial tuberosity to the medial supercondyline line of the femur. Both adductor phi. Additionally, the adductor flexor the phi, the hamstring extends the phi, which is fairly obvious. So then you have your adductor longus. This forms the medial border of the femoral triangle. So um, the base of the femoral triangle is the pectineus. The medial border of the femoral triangle is the adductor longus. Um, its origin is from the pubis and extends into a fan shape. And again, this inserts into the linear aspera of the femur. Uh, action, adductophy, nerve, obturator nerve, L2 to L4. And then you have your adductor brevis. So again, almost identical uh, origin insertion. So pubis and inferior pubic rami insert into the linear aspera of the femur. Uh, it lies under the adductor longus. Uh, and, and, and this is the key muscle that lies between the anterior and posterior divisions of the obturator nerve. So that is the that's irrelevant here, um, and then fan, well then we have your obturator externus uh, arises from the membrane of the obturator foramen and inserts into the greater trochanter. So this is slightly different from the other ones. Action is adduction and lateral rotation of the thigh. Um, so just to summarise what we've done so far, so I've already recapped the adductor. So basically, adductors basically from the pubis into the linear spur of the, of the femur. The relevance of the adductor magnus is that it's got two functions, so adduction and hamstring. 
as well the adductor flexor, the hamstring stentify, and it's got uh, obturator nerve and tibial nerve. The adductor longus forms the medial border of the femoral triangle. The, the pectineus forms the posterior or the base of the triangle. Um, and then the adductor brevis is important because that separates the anterior and posterior divisions of the obturator nerve. And then the obturator externus, don't forget this one, um, is also does lateral rotation of the thigh as well and that inserts into the greater trochanter and it arises from the obturator foramen so then we have the gracilis which is the final muscle in this compartment it's the most superficial and medial and this one is used in flaps uh, it crosses both the hip and the knee joint um, and the origin is from the inferior ramus and the body of the pubis and inserts into the medial surface of the tibia between the sartorius and the semimembranous. Um, this is relevant because this this uh, conjoined area of the sartorius anteriorly, the gracius in, in the middle, and the semitendinous on the medial surface of the tibia is known as the pes anterius or the goose foot. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's that. And then, so just continuing, the gracilis origins inferior ramus and the body of the pubis inserts into the medial surface of the tibia at the pes and serious with the sartorius and semitendinous. Uh, the action is adduction of the thigh, obviously at the hip, and flexion of the leg. So all of the adduction and flexion go together. And this is uh, obturator nerve as well. Groin strain is usually adductor muscle strain. So summary, you have five uh, medial adductors, magnus, longus, brevis, obturator externus, and the gracilis. These are all supplied by the obturator nerve and the obturator artery, I think except for the hamstring portion of the adductor magnus, which is done by the tibial nerve. The action is uh, adduction, and with adduction becomes flexion, um, flexion as well. And uh, extension is also done by the extension of the thigh by the, the hamstring portion of the adductor magnus. Traitor externus also does lateral rotation of the thigh. Okay, I think that's everything I wanted to say about that. So muscles in the posterior compartments. So you have the hamstrings, which consist of the biceps femoris, semimembranous and semitendinous. All the muscles arise from the ischial tuberosity. The action is deflection at the knee and extend at the hip. And nerve is the sciatic nerve L4 to S3. Um, and blood supply is the femoral, deep femoral, and then a posterior branch of the obturator and the inferior gluteal. So the biceps femoris has two heads by the long head attaches from the initial tuberosity, the short head attaches from the linear aspera on the posterior surface of the femur. Both join together to form a tendon. This inserts into the head of the fibula. This flexes the knee, extends the thigh, and laterally rotates at the hip and knee. Um, blood supply, sorry, nerve supply is uh, tibial part, is supplies the long head. The short head is the common fibula. Uh, and both are, are part of the static. 
So then you have your semi-tenderness. Unfortunately, this doesn't... Yeah, yeah. semi-tenderness lies medial to the biceps femoris uh, and overlies the majority of the semi-membranous. It inserts into the medial aspect of the tibia um, and again, it's the tibial nerve. So yeah, then you have your semi-membranous and it also inserts into the medial tibia. Both flex the knee and extension of the thigh and both are medial rotators of the thigh and the hip. So the summary, so the posterior compartment has the biceps femoris, it has two heads. The, the first, the deep head is from the uh, pubic, sorry, ischial tuberosity. The, less, the smaller head is from the linear spur. They both form, and they're both inserted into the head of the fibula. And the, the action is flexion of the knee, extends the thigh and laterally rotates the hip and knee. The long head is supplied by the tibial. The short head is supplied by the common fibula. The semi-tendinous and semi-membranous both originate from the issue of tuberosity and are both inserted in the medial surface of the tibia. Um, they both act as medial rotators and they both flex at the knee and extend the thigh because they are hamstrings. So hamstring, the main action is to extend the, the leg and and they also will flex the knee by their passive movement or whatever. But yeah, that makes sense. Okay, and then I don't think there's anything I should say about that. So this section is going to be muscles of the gluteal region. So, so they're split into superficial, and these are the abductors, so A, B, D, and the extensors, they do the same thing. And then you have deep, which are the lateral rotators. Excuse me. So the blood supply is from the superior and inferior gluteal arteries and their branches of the internal iliac artery. The superficial are the gluteus maximus, gluteus minimus, tensiofasciolata, and the gluteus medius. The deep muscles are the piriformis, the obturator internus, the gemelli superior and inferior, and the quadratus femoris. So the superficial the gluteus maximus. This is the largest and most su superficial and it's basically the shape of the bum. Originates from the posterior surface of the ilium sacrum coccyx and inserts into the iliotubular tract and the gluteal tuberosity of the femur. The actions, as I mentioned, are thigh extension and assists with lateral rotation only in climbing. The nerve is the inferior gluteal nerve and that's L5, S1, S2. The gluteus minimus is the deepest and smallest, but it's still the part of the superficial gluteal region. It originates from the ilium uh, and inserts, well, it converges from a tendon at the anterior aspect of the greater trochanter. The action of the gluteus minimus is ABD duction, medial rotation, and it secures the pelvis when you walk in. So the nerve is the superior gluteal nerve, L4, L5, S1, and it's also done by the superior gluteal artery. The gluteus medius is the middle muscle. Um, it lies between, obviously, the maximus and the minimus. Uh, origin is the gluteal surface of the ilium. So the medius and the minimus are from the ilium, 
and inserts into the greater trochanter. Sorry, lateral serves with greater trochanter. Um, actions it ABD ducts and medially rotates and, and secures the pelvis in locomotion. The nerve is a superior gluteal nerve and the artery is a superior gluteal artery. So the minimus and medius do, sorry, originate from the similar points. Both originate from the ilium, both insert into the greater trochanter, although the minimus inserts into the anterior, the medius inserts into the lateral aspects, and they both have the same function. The tensor fascia lata um, is a small superficial muscle at the edge of the anterior iliac crest. So the origin is the anterior superior iliac crest and inserts into the iliotibial tract which is basically attached to the lateral condyle of the tibia. So it's quite a long muscle, again, on the medial aspect. Um, it, action it assists the, glute, the gluteus minimus and medius in AB, AB deduction and medial rotation. And the nerve is the superior gluteal nerve. So the gluteus maximus is the only one that's an extensor, and it's the only one that does lateral rotation. The other gluteus minimus, medius, and the tension fascia lata basically do abduction and medially rotation. Okay, so the relevance is we get damage to the superior gluteal nerve. This nerve innervates the medius and the minimus and also the tension fascia lata. These all stabilize the pelvis in locomotion. Uh, so if you get superior gluteal nerve damage, um, it damages these two and that means that you get the Trendelenburg sign. If the, if the Trendelenburg sign is positive, the pelvis drops on the non-effective side. Therefore, if the right drops, it means there's a weak gluteus medius portion, left side. So we're going to move on to the deep muscles. Uh, these are smaller muscles located underneath the gluteus minimus. Their action is to do the same as, well, no, sorry, their action is lateral rotation and stabilize the hip joint in ABD duction. So it's still abduction, but it's kind of the opposite to the superficial portion, although the gluteus maximus also assists with lateral rotation. So the piriformis, this is a key landmark in the gluteal region, and it's the most superior of the deep muscles. The origin is the asis, and it inserts into the greater trochanter. The actions are lateral rotation and ABD duction. The nerve is nerve to the piriformis, and this is directly from the lumbrosacral plexus. The piriformis separates the superior and inferior gluteal vessels, um, and the blood supplies the inferior gluteal and the superior lateral sacral. This, the piriformis also goes inferior to the Sorry, the static nerve also passes inferiorly to the piriformis. The obturator internus. This forms the lateral wall of the pelvic cavity, so it's inter inside the pelvis. The origin is the pubis and ischium um, at the obturator foramen and inserts into the greater trochanter. Um, and the action of this is lateral rotation and ABD duction. It's a direct nerve from the lumbosacral plexus, and that's the obturator internus. And the blood supply is the inferior gluteal because it's deeper to the piriformis. So moving on to the gemelli, so you have superior and inferior. These are two narrow triangular muscles. They're separated by the obturator internus tendon. 
So the origin of the superior is the ischial spine and the inferior is the ischial tuberosity. So think in alphabetical, S comes for T, superior, ischial spine, SS, inferior, ischial tuberosity. These both insert into the greater trochanter. The action is lateral rotation and ABD duction. The superior nerve is, is the nerve to the obturator inferior, sorry, the nerve supplying the superior gemelli is the same nerve as the obturator internus, and the inferior is the nerve to the quad femoris, because that is the deepest. The next muscle is the quadratus femoris. This is a flat, square-shaped, and, and is the most inferior or deepest, slash deepest muscle. Its origin is from the ischial tuberosity, so we link that to the gemelli inferior, and inserts into the quadrate tuberosity on the intertrochanteric crest. So this is the one that not attached to the greater trochanter. The action is lateral rotation, and the nerve is nerve to the quad femoris. And so, and so let's just quickly run over those again. So the deep muscles are the piriformis, the obturator internus, the gemelli, superior and inferior, and the quadratus femoris. The deep muscles, uh, the piriformis, arises from the asis and inserts into the greater trochanter. And it's nerve to the piriformis. The, the obturator internus, sorry, this is inside the, the pubis, so pubis initium, um, and then inserts into the greater trochanter. And that's the nerve to obturator internus. The gemelli um, is separated by the obturator internus tendon, and remember S and T, uh, so the superior gemelli is from the ischial spine, the inferior is from the ischial tuberosity, and this inserts into the greater trochanter. The nerve is, if above, obturator internus, below, quadratus femoris nerve. And those are right directly from the lumbar sacral. And then the quadratus femoris is a square-shaped square -shaped muscle. Um, origin is from the ischial tuberosity and inserts into the quadrat, uh, quadrate tuberosity on the intertrochanteric crest. The action of all these is ABD duction and lateral rotation on the whole. Um, and then the superficial muscles are involved in medial rotation and ABD duction. So overall, this this muscle, this gluteal region is involved in superficially uh, extensors and abduction and medial rotation. The deep muscle is involved in ABD duction and lateral rotation. So this section is going to be on the fascia lata and the iliotibial tract. Just to summarise, fascia uh, is a sheet or a band of fibrous tissue deep to the skin. It lines, slash invests, and separates structures within the body. There are three types. The superficial, and this blends with reticular fibres beneath the dermis. You have deep fascia, which envelops muscle, bones, and neurovascular structures. And you have visceral fascia. Um, this surrounds and suspends organs within cavities. So the fascia lata is, is also known as deep fascia of the leg. This is a deep fascia which invests the fine muscles. The origin is the iliac crest and the inguinal canal, and it and it ends in when it blends with well ends in the distal tibia. Uh, it's its thickest at the gluteal uh, maximus and medius, um, and it's thinnest in the medial adductor muscles. The deepest aspect gives off three intramuscular septa that attach to the femur. 
These basically divide the thigh into anterior, medial and lateral. The lateral is the strongest septa as it's reinforced from the iliotibial tract, which I'll mention later. Excuse me. Um, the relevance of the fascia lateral is that there's a saphenous opening. This is kind of like an ovoid hiatus, just inferior to the inguinal ligament, which is where the fascia lata originates from. This is an entry point for efferent lymph vessels going to inguinal, and then the great saphenous vein, which goes to the femoral vein. So the relevance of this is, is kind of a femoral hernia. So this is when abdominal viscera protrude through the femoral canal and then goes through the saphenous opening. Because the fascia, because this uh, saphenous opening is, is a small protrusion um, and the fascia is tough and strong, this uh, leads to a high chance of incarcerated slash strangled bowel. So the femoral hernia is basically going through the saphenous opening. And the saphenous opening has a great saphenous vein, which becomes femoral and also lymph vessels. So, so the function of the tension fascial artery is basically uh, aids in flexion, ABD duction, internal rotation of the hip, um, and it basically helps uh, venous return. The iliotypical tract. This is a longitudinal thicken, thickening of the fascial artery. It's strengthened via the gluteus maximus and it's located in the lateral thigh. Um, its origin is from the iliac tubercle and inserts into the tibial or well, the lateral condyle. The function is um, compartmentalization and it's a muscular sheath. Basically, it strengthens the tension fascia lata, helps in compression of those uh, veins back. This can also be stressed or strained in uh, patients who do a lot of exercise running. So we're going to talk about the femoral triangle, sheath, canal, and the adductor canal. So the femoral triangle is a hollow area in, in the anterior part of the thigh. The borders, superiorly you have your inguinal ligament. Um, laterally, you have the sartorius, the medial border of it. Medially, you have the adductor longus muscle, the medial border. The roof is the fascia lata, and the base is the pectineus. Because remember, for the roof, the fascia lata starts from the uh, inferior surface of the inguinal ligament, basically. The contents, um, lateral to medial, lateral to medial, go through navel. So you have your femoral nerve, you have your femoral artery, you have your femoral vein, and then you have your femoral canal, which is what I'm going to talk about in a second. Uh, sorry, navel. Nerve, artery, vein, empty space, which is part of the femoral canal, and the lymph, which is part of the femoral canal. Um, the, the, the artery and vein are enclosed within the femoral sheath, and so the nerve lies lateral to this. The relevance is the femoral pulse. Uh, so you have your inguinal ligament, and it's the midpoint of the inguinal ligament. Sorry, the mid-inguinal point, which is where you find the femoral artery. And that is from the um, asis to the pubic symphysis. So that's the longest part, asis to the pubic symphysis. And that's the mid-inguinal point where you find the femoral artery. The midpoint, sorry, the inguinal ligament is from the asis to the pubic tubercle. And that is shorter. 
and the relevance of the midpoint of the inguinal ligament is where you find the deep inguinal ring and consequently the superficial inguinal ring excuse me is found at the pubic tubercle okay just to summarize so far in the femoral triangle you have your nerve you have your femoral sheath which contains the artery and vein and then you have the femoral canal we've spoken about the pubic sorry the mid inguinal point which is mid the halfway of that is where you find the femoral artery so that's from asis to symphysis so loads of s's and then you have your inguinal ligament which is from asis to tubercle um and the relevance of that is the midpoint of the inguinal ligament is where the deep, deep inguinal ring is. The femoral artery, let's start from the beginning. Aorta, common iliac, external iliac, femoral artery. So the femoral artery is a branch of the external iliac. So now we're going to move on to the femoral canal. So um, the femoral canal can be considered a part of the femoral sheath. The sheath has three compartments. You have the lateral, which is the artery. The mid middle part is, called, is the vein. And then the most medial portion is called the femoral canal. This is relevant because it contains lymph vessels uh, and a lymph node uh, called cloquette. So the femoral canal um, is the most medial portion of the femoral sheath. And so the borders are anteriorly, you have your inguinal ligament. Posteriorly, you have your pectineal ligament, pectineous muscle. Uh, medially, you have your lacuna ligament. And laterally, you'll have your femoral vein. So you can remember most of those in that anteriorly, you have your, your sorry, inguinal ligament. Laterally, you'll have the, the vein because it's part of the femoral sheath. Medially, uh, is the lacuna ligament. And posteriorly, you have your pectineal Okay, so that's the um, femoral, uh, femoral sheath, sorry, femoral canal. So the, the, the adductor canal, ADD, is a tunnel in the middle third of the thigh. It extends from the apex of the femoral triangle to the opening of the adductor magnus um, and the adductor hiatus, which is the end of the canal. So this is roughly around 15 centimetres long. It's completely bordered by muscle. So, as I mentioned, it's in the, the medial aspect of the thigh. So, the lateral wall is the vastus medius. The anterior medial is the sartorius. And the posterior is the adductor, ADD, longus, and adductor magnus. So, this is a passageway between the anterior thigh and the posterior thigh. The contents of this canal are the superficial femoral artery, the superficial femoral vein, the nerve to the vastus medialis, which is a branch of the fem femoral, um, and the saphenous nerve, which is a branch of the posterior part of the femoral. So as the femoral artery and vein exit the adductor canal, this is when they become the pop popliteal, polypteal. The relevance of this is that you can do nerve blocks, um, and the, if you block the nerve, then you block uh, the saphenous nerve, which there's uh sensation to the essentially to the medial aspect of the lower limb as that's where the adductor canal is in the medial compartment basically um yeah and the relevance is sometimes you can get compression syndrome which is usually caused by hypertrophy of the vastus medialis
the adductor canal, ADD, ends at the adductor hiatus. This is a gap between the attachments of the adductor magnus. The adductor hiatus is also known as the hiatus magnus. Let's add on the popliteal fossa. So this is a diamond-shaped structure, obviously, in the posterior aspect of the knee. So the superior, let's, if you imagine, yeah, diamond, so you have superior medial, superior lateral. The superior medial aspects on the inside is arise from the semimembranous, and that's M for medial. The superior lateral is part of the biceps femoris. Um, the inferior medial and inferior lateral are the original heads of the gastronomicus, uh, so you have your medial head of the gastronomicus and lateral head of the gastronomicus. Uh, the floor is the posterior that serves on the knee joint, and the roof is the skin and the popliteal fascia. The contents of this are, you have your pop pop popliteal artery and vein, and these are the deepest areas, and that's a branch of the femoral, as I mentioned. It becomes a femoral, yeah, well, it becomes a popliteal once it exits the uh, magnus hiatus. You have your tibial nerve, and you have your common fibula uh, nerve, and these are the most superficial aspects of the popliteal fossa. And these are branches of the sciatic. Um, the small saphenous nerve pierces the popliteal fossa and drains into the popliteal vein. So the relevance of this is Baker's cyst, which is, which is inflammation of the semimembranous bursa. Uh, this can rupture and lead to signs of DVT and popliteal aneurysms. Uh, this gives compression symptom, symptoms which will cause tibial nerve compression, which, which is weakened slash absent plantar flexion and paresthesia of the foot and the posterior lateral leg.